Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinette. Christians believe Jesus has an historical context. He was born in history. He is neither a myth nor a legend. A myth is a person or thing having only an imaginary or unverifiable existence, while a legend is a story coming down from the past, especially one popularly regarded as historical although not verifiable. But Jesus is both historical and verifiable according to the Christian faithful and most historians. They point out that he is mentioned not only in the New Testament, but by contemporaries and early documents. Jesus is thus a person in history. Heresies, on the other hand, strip Jesus of his place in history and turn him into some kind of Christ figure or metaphysical guru. But Christian scripture persistently places him within history as a man who walked the earth in real time, a man who permanently altered the history into which he was born. Let's scrutinize this story from the infancy narratives along with theologian pastor Dr. Ralph F. Wilson. Jesus' Birth in Bethlehem I'm reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not at all against nativity scenes, but we've seen so many, year after year, that it's hard for us to read Scripture and see with fresh eyes what it actually says to us. Our passage makes four important points about the birth of Jesus. 1. Jesus is born in history. 2. Jesus is born in David's birthplace. 3. Jesus' birth is attended by hardship. 4. Jesus is born in humble circumstances. Verses 1 and 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Jesus has an historical context. He is neither a myth nor a legend. A myth is a person or thing having only an imaginary or unverifiable existence. But Jesus was born in history. A legend is a story coming down from the past, especially one popularly recognized as historical, though not verifiable. But Jesus is both historical and verifiable. He is mentioned not only in the New Testament, but by contemporaries and early documents such as Josephus, Pliny, Tacitus, Suetonius, Bar-Seraphon, Thallus, Lucian, and the Talmud. Jesus is a person in history. Here are those who were in power when Jesus was born. 
Caesar Augustus was the Emperor Octavian, founder of the Roman Empire, who reigned from 27 BC until 14 AD when he was succeeded by Tiberius Caesar. Herod the Great was called King of the Jews, and he ruled Judea from 40 to 4 BC. His reputation for paranoia and ruthlessness is well-deserved, having executed three of his own sons and slaughtered all the baby boys in Bethlehem. The third ruler is Quirinius. He was a military leader and Roman consul in Central Asia Minor, and later imperial legate of Syria Cilicia, A.D. 6-9, where Josephus notes that he conducted a census. The census referred to in Luke 2 isn't recorded historically but probably took place under a kind of extraordinary command authority he possessed during his military maneuvers in Cilicia, or possibly during a brief earlier stint as governor in Syria. Early heresies such as docetism and modern heresies such as Christian science strip Jesus of his place in history and turn him into some kind of Christ figure or metaphysical guru. But scripture persistently places him within history as a man who lived and died and rose again in real time, a man who permanently altered the history into which he was born. Jesus is born in David's birthplace as well. Verses 3 to 4. And everyone went to his own town to register, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The second point in our passage is that Jesus was born in the birthplace of David, Israel's greatest king. Nearly a thousand years before Jesus' birth, God had promised to David through the prophet Samuel, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. 2 Samuel 7.16 Micah had prophesied 730 years previously. Micah 5.2 But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. The Jews eagerly expected David's successor and called this hoped-for Messiah the Son of David. Jesus is the Son of David, this promised king. It is no accident that Joseph was of the house and lineage of David and that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Next, verses 5 and 6. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
But Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, and God needed them in Bethlehem for the birth. It just so happened that the Romans ordered a tax census, and Joseph was required to return to his ancestral town, Bethlehem, for the enrollment. This meant hardship for the Holy Family. The most glorious event in history is about to unfold, but for Mary and Joseph it is drudgery and hardship, a real pain. Mary and Joseph live in Nazareth four days' journey north of Bethlehem. Mary is pregnant. A journey late in pregnancy is arduous for her, but if she stays in Nazareth, she has to face scandal alone. Luke puts it delicately. Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Compounding that, it was probably winter, if second-century church tradition is to be taken seriously. An arduous journey in winter, a pregnant teenage mom. Who says that following God's plan is easy? Just because we face hardships and obstacles is no indication that God is absent, that we've missed his will. Sure, we face trouble, but then we face even more trouble if we don't follow Jesus. Jesus faced obstacles, but told his disciples, John 16.33, In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The manger astounds me. Jesus wasn't born in a snug home. There was no room for them in the inn. We've romanticized the birth and swept up after the animals. But the evidence is clear. The Holy Son of God was born in a stable or cave where animals were kept, and his first crib was a common cattle trough. Why, I wonder? I don't think this was by accident or the father's lack of provision for his son. There's a message here. Though Jesus was by very nature God, he didn't grasp at his prerogatives or flaunt his rights. Philippians 2, 7 Instead, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. The Greek verb in this sentence, kanaho, means make empty to empty, here of divestiture of position or prestige. Jesus literally emptied himself of all the privileges to which he was heir. He didn't just take a low place, he took the lowest place. His commission was to preach good news to the poor. So he was born among the poorest of the poor. His disciples argued about who would be greatest in the kingdom, but Jesus stopped them short. Mark 10.45 For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The manger represents serving. The message for us is clear. Jesus' disciples are not to seek glory, but servanthood serving when it is convenient and when it's not, serving when no one understands or appreciates what we do. Christmas teaches us servanthood, God's serving, and then ours. I'm Mark Vinette. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss 
Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calotrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calotrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y, using the code 30605.